Welcome to the Sisters in Service podcast. My name is Kat Corchado, also known as the voice connecting women veterans nationwide. This podcast is for anyone connected with the military, from veterans, male and female, military spouses, military brats, even parents who may have children who are in the military. As an Air Force veteran, I understand the trials and triumphs that women veterans go through in service and out of service. And so I wanted to find a way that I could put it out there into the airwaves and let everyone know what we're going through and find a way and a solution to what's happening to us in the service. I also like to highlight these women who are business owners, they're entrepreneurs, they're bosses in their business. And so I hope that you will follow me, you will share, and you will subscribe to this podcast, which comes out every week on Tuesdays. And as always, please stay safe, take care of each other until next time. And it's never too late to start your impossible. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Sisters in Service. And I am speaking with Brandy Lang today. And she's going to talk about her military service. And she's going to talk about her TBI and how she found a way to help herself so that she can help others. So Brandy, welcome to Sisters in Service. Thank you so much, Kat. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Of course. And I was so glad to see that you're an Air Force veteran, you know, because there aren't many of us around and people tend to make jokes about the Air Force, but you know, it's okay. I'm still proud to be an Air Force vet, but why did you pick the Air Force? Or a better question is, did you pick the Air Force or did the Air Force pick you? You know, it's a very interesting question because it's been a long time. <laughs> but um, but actually, and I don't mean this any disrespect. I know it's one of those uh, jokes that we typically get. Uh, but uh, because of my ASVAB score being so high, the Air Force really came out to get me. Um, I, I, I'm always been a student, a, a good student in school. So getting a good score was always my goal. So I actually took it twice. Not many people do, but I did that so that I could get a higher score. I think I got like a 92, my first try. And so I wanted to get a higher score because of like, that's just who I am. And, um, that's when, you know, they were definitely one of the first recruiters. Of course, there's other ones after that. But um, uh, yeah, so that kind of started that off. And I, you know, just went from there. So awesome. You know, it's interesting that you said that because number one, I didn't know you could take it twice. I'm just saying I took it <laughs> once and I was done. I'm like, thank you. I'm not taking it again. Right. But as I was a dependent, so I was a military brat and in Germany, we used to, for sports, go to different military bases, mostly army. And yeah. you would go from the Air Force base, it was light and bright. And then you would go to the Army base and they were already, everything was brown and green. And you're like, <laughs> ew. And, and as a child, you know, you didn't know. You're just like, what is this? You know? Right. Um, and then I got older and I went in the Air Force only because my dad was Air Force. And, uh, you know, people would come, you know, depending on where I was stationed, they would you know, like, oh, we're doing R and R at the Air Force Base. I was like, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but now it, it started to make sense in that, yeah. you know. Um, so you That's were funny. I was gonna say, I don't mean to interrupt you, but it brought something to my mind. Um, that's very funny you should say that because we used to have like job fairs or whatever at my high school and there's always a recruiter there, it seems. And so honestly, I'm like, blue looks so much better than these BDUs. <laughs> so it's ridiculous how they market to you. It really is. Um, but I do have a history. I have a whole family of mm. military. Uh, my grandparents, uh, or my grandparents, my grandfather um, on both sides and my, um, my uncles, but they were mostly army or Navy. So um, it's kind of funny. I didn't follow in those footsteps, but um, I think the blue really got me versus the BDUs. <laughs> oh, yes. But I think in in retrospect, all the other services, I think, have better uniforms than the Air Force. I'm just going to say, especially yeah, the dress uniform, the dress yeah. uniforms. Oh, gosh, yeah. Super sharp. The, the Air Force is, uh, they need to up it a little bit. They need to come out of the dark ages just a tad, just, just a, a little tad. bit. Yeah. It's so funny because when I was on flight crew, I have um, 
a pickle suit is what they call it. So it's a flight suit. Yes. I mean, there's, there's nothing cute about that. I mean, it's ridiculous, you know, one zip up, one zip down. And, I know. But <laughs> easy on, easy off, right? It is. It's, you know, I, I know we're talking as two vets and it's funny for anybody who's a vet who's listening to this. I hope it's okay to say this, but there is a, uh, the, the suit actually has a zipper at the bottom and a zipper at the top because of how you go to the bathroom. Get it. I never knew that. <laughs> it's, it's very well designed. And um, I had to learn certain tricks while I was actually in flight on how to do that. So, uh, yeah. Wow. Who it's, knew? it's definitely an advantage to have that zipper. Right. <laughs> wow. You could just. Yes. I yeah, want you can figure See, things I want... out. It's crazy because there, there's nothing to hold on to when you're flying. I mean, I got used to it, but, you know. <laughs> Oh man, those are some stories right there. I'm telling yes, you. <laughs> um, so you were a Morse code operator and then a C-130 loadmaster. So that seems kind of night and day, is it? Oh yes, oh yes, yeah, it definitely was. I mean, the and it could be. I mean, I, I really don't know why I was chosen for Morse code. Um, but you have to go and you have to get a uh, special compartmented compartmental like um, uh, secret clearance. For it. So it's oh, did you have a TSSCI that count or SBI? Yes. SCI, yeah. SCI, yep. yeah. I had, yep. I had one of those. And so it took forever and they lost my paperwork, which is not unusual, uh, you know, military, but um, <laughs> so, so all that and all my people that I knew had to go through it twice. So um, I'm glad that it actually worked out the way it did. Cause I got to go overseas and, and, you know, do some really wonderful things mm -hmm. at the time that I was doing it. So um, knowing now, I mean, it's, it's interesting because you don't, you, you go through this whole school and it's so, so funny. Even today I can hear very high pitched noises and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's, there's a code <laughs> in the bottom of that. It's weird. I can't turn it off. Oh my and gosh. Most of the kids today will never experience this because you remember TVs and when they used to go off at midnight? Yes. Yes. And you'd get the snow and everything. Yes. There's code underneath there. It's weird. I would just like, oh my gosh, I, uh, let me get a piece of paper. I'm starting to hear that it's not. It's wow. So crazy, but yeah, yeah. It's, it, you definitely get used to doing that. So it was a great experience mm -hmm. and, and I loved it. Like I said, I got to overseas. So that's, that's one of those things you get to do. But, um, and then, yeah, to, then what happened was my base closed. Um, and then they, you know, um, a whole team from Kelly Air Force Base came in to um, take a look at all of us and cross train us and give us new, you know, new stations. And I came up and they said, you know, these are the, the jobs that you could qualify for. And one of them was a loadmaster. And I was like, well, I want to do that. By that time, I'd already been like lifting weights. Like I had already been one of the only women in the whole gym. Um, and that's one thing about the Air Force. We have the best gyms, I think. In the yes. <laughs> yes. We, we really do. We I mean, really I do. Say, so I'm very fortunate for that. But I really started lifting and doing all this good stuff and, and learning how to do all of those things. And Kelly Air Force Base, this guy came in and he's like, well, you know, you have to lift 50 pounds over your head. You're like, yeah, whatever. Let me bench like, press I you, bro. Like every day. Okay, whatever. <laughs> and he looked at me because I'm so short. And these uh, two other guys that were huge that I actually lifted with, they were like, oh, yeah, you're going to, um, that's easy for you. I'm just going to put you down. And, and he kept asking me, I'm like, yes, can you please put me down for this? So he finally did. And it's kind of interesting because the other two guys didn't make it through all the qualifications and I'm the one that got to go to school. Wait, they couldn't, so. they couldn't do the 50 pounds. Are well, you they had other things. Like oh, I was going to say, yeah. And eye color, like it's kind of thing. And then mm -hmm. I guess somebody else just didn't make it for other reasons. Wow. But that was kind of interesting. The one that person is interesting. couldn't do it, but yeah. yeah. And that, that was, that in itself is just amazing. I mean, mm -hmm. um, it's so funny because there's so much involved in, in being a loadmaster, everything from the mathematics to, just the rigging and knowing everything and not knowing, you know, whatever drop or cargo you're having to carry. Um, I loved, I loved doing the personnel drops um, because that's when I really got to see the army <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. And oh my gosh, seeing the ones that were very experienced and the ones that were newbies. Oh my gosh. Just to look at the look on their face 
and fear and terror, fear and terror. (laughs) And you know, you have to be, I mean, you have to really be attention to detail because there's a lot of safety issues on the plane. So when I was ready to open the door and get him out of my plane, basically, you know, my thing, my, my, uh, my thing ahead of time, luckily the thing that I would kind of um, educate the jump master and, and safeties on is you have to take your barf bags with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, seriously, yeah. Everybody gets one and most of them will use it if they're new. And I'm like, you're taking that out my plane with yeah, you. Yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not touching so, it. I'm yeah, not touching exactly. it. Yeah. So luckily everybody that I worked with was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the jump masters and safeties, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they scare their own people, but they were mm-hmm. very, very respectful to me. So I always loved that. So let's move on for just a second. Um, I want to talk about the fact that you suffered a TBI traumatic brain injury while you were active duty. Uh, Give us a little background on that, if you could, about how it happened and what were some of the effects of like, what did you experience having that TBI? Yeah, it was, you know, a new thing for me because I've always been like a, um, I guess a tomboy anyway. So I'm kind of surprised it just happened then. But we were on a training exercise. It was um, we had to do an obstacle course. It's part of your um, graduation, I guess, and different things that you do to um, get out of basic. And we were doing that. And, you know, long day. Everybody's wet. Everybody's muddy. Everybody's tired. And you just keep going. Right. And we were almost to the end. And we had to do this um, maneuver where you're. Um, grabbing onto a rope upside down and you got your legs across it and your arms across it and you're shimmying across the length of basically Olympic size swimming pool. And you can only have four people on the rope at a time for safety reasons, obviously. Well, at the end is a platform that you jump off or you step off of. And so the first person at the end, I was kind of at the end, I was at one end ready to be the last person. So the person that should have been getting off was too scared or something. I don't know what happened. Um, and so they just stayed there forever. All of us were just hanging on this line forever. And finally, the person right behind me decided to get on. And that was five. So that person, then we started moving. But by the time I'd gotten to the edge, the person in front of me lost their grip or something. And so when they came off, their feet came off, kicked my arms loose from the rope, which I couldn't hold on to. And on my way down, because I was to the edge, I hit my head on the platform for the edge of the pool. So I basically went like a sack of potatoes to the bottom of that pool. But I still, to this day, remember being at the bottom of a pool and you know how everything's distorted when you open your eyes underwater. I opened my eyes, but I didn't know what happened. Like I literally had no movement. I was stuck in time. I was, I was just confused. And luckily I guess there's primitive. And I know now from my experience and my education, there's a primitive reflex that basically as long as you do have oxygen in your body, still, you're not going to take a breath. Right. So luckily I didn't just like drown. (laughs) There were safeties anyway, but I um, just was there and I heard them trying to talk to me and it was all muffled underwater, but I didn't know they were talking to me. I didn't know what was going on. And they were basically telling me afterwards, they were screaming for me to swim up to the top. Like, hello, you know, you need to get up. You need to get to the top. And I was just I was awake, but I just could not understand anything. I couldn't even move. So they had to dive in and get me. And it, it's something you could stand up in. It was not, you know, you know, 10 feet of water or anything. It was just a pool that was maybe four feet deep or something. Right. So um, I don't really know. But uh, but yeah, so they had to have two safeties come in and, and get me and walk me to the edge and get me out of the pool. And even then, like, of course, I have this drill instructor yelling at me, right? Or actually a TI, um, ours are different, but same thing. Somebody yelling at me, you know, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. Get back to formation and just keep going. And I finished. Um, but afterwards, um, I really had a hard time doing everything else in training. Like I... Um, I was confused. I couldn't get up. I wanted to sleep all the time. I was slow in everything that I was doing, like even tying my shoes and 
going to take showers, which of course is like what, two or three minutes. (laughs) You can't can't really be slowing that. But the biggest thing that I knew was a problem is every single morning you you get up in formation, you start running. And um, I literally fell off of the path like several times because I was like my, I was like blacking out. Like I was not completely losing my consciousness to where I did black out, but it was just that immediate, like, whoosh of brain fog, whatever that just was so heavy on me. I just couldn't control what was going on. And I would just like shake my head to try to wake up and, and try to continue running. And of course they just continue yelling at me. And I'm like, I had to go to my TI, my, um, uh, and and tell her, I was like, something's wrong. I was like, I'm so, I'm sorry. You know, (laughs) Obviously, you're going to yell at me again, but I don't know what's wrong. I I can't run. I can't sleep. I can't wake up. I can't eat. I can't. I don't. I can't do any of this. Like this is something's wrong. I don't know what it is. So, but that's it's, frightening. It is. You know what it, it really is? is? It's you're you're scared because you want to do it. You're scared that they're going to yell at you. You're scared that you're going to black out. You don't right. know what's going on, so you're scared of that. I mean, it's just right. this whole fear that's gripped you. Um, so how, how long, I I didn't want to disappoint anybody. Of course not. How long did it take for you to say, I need to go find out what's going on? It was probably about three or four days because, you know, you're afraid. (laughs) Let's be honest. You're afraid to say anything to your TIs. It's like, okay, you know, I am not going to get my shoes out of alignment. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to stand there in the best possible formation I can and you're not bobble and not your run as best as everybody else. You you just do what they tell you to do right? because you, you, that's what you're trained to do. That's, that's the purpose of basic is really, is really making you the model that they want. I mean, it is, you know, so I just, I, I was just too afraid to do it. And it got so bad that I'm like, I'm really going to get in trouble for this. Like something's either, either it's going to get worse. And then I will completely black out and hurt myself um, because somebody had actually fallen and they'd like hurt their ankle or something. And I didn't want that to be the case. I wanted to finish my training and go to my job, you know, right. go to my FSC. So, um, so, you know, it was, I wasn't, I mean, I, and granted I turned 18 in basic training. Because I went in oh, and you were a baby. Oh my baby. goodness! I was a baby. Yeah, man. I went to the bathroom in the middle of the night and sang happy birthday to myself. <laughs> 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 Woo! Birthday party for Randy. But you know that's what you have to do. So, <laughs> can I just say when you mentioned the obstacle course, I was like, there was an obstacle course in basic training. I must have oh blacked it out. I must have oh, just. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, what, what, it's just like one more thing you do, right? It's, I'm like, know, wait, obstacle course. What is she talking about? <laughs> I know. I know. And I'm like, I hope it's kind of good because uh, things have gotten a lot more, you know, different. I'd Absolutely. say water down, obviously, even from the Air Force yeah. standards. <laughs> so you, you get your sure. diagnosis of TBI. How does that affect yeah. you? Well, you know, one of the things that really led me on my path anyway, is that when I went to see the doctor um, on base, they knew what it was. And at that time, it's called it was called a closed head trauma. That's the classification that they used. And that basically means it's mild versus moderate or severe. Moderate or severe basically means there's a structural damage because then it's called an open head trauma. So I don't even want to know what, if that's a mild, I don't even want to know what a severe is. Yeah. And I've worked with those folks before. So, um, it is very devastating, but, um, that, that may be something I'll, I'll eventually work into, but right now I'm, I'm not doing it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's basically what he did. And he said, well, you need rest. We're going to take you out of training. We're going to put you in what's called casual, which is the medical side of just, you know, getting cleared to go back to training. Uh, you go to, you know, a totally different barracks where there's no training. There's none of that. Um, there are a lot of different medical issues that are there. Somebody could sprain their ankle. Somebody could, you know, a lot of things can happen. So they're just medically putting you somewhere until you can be cleared to go back to training. Right. And, um, uh, I was just told to rest, like there wasn't anything I didn't have. I mean, it was kind of interesting and granted, uh, this is the air force. 
but it's like, I didn't have to wear a cover, my hat. I didn't have to walk into formation. I could eat all the ice cream I wanted. I like, got this is great, man. I recommend I this to everybody. <laughs> I'm like training. Yeah, I want to go back to training. No, but yeah, but um, yeah, I really did want to go back. But at that time, they put you out for four weeks for a TBI. And there's some evidence today that 60 days is good. But I don't think at that. I know at that time it wasn't research oriented um, just because I know the dates of the research that's current. Um, and it wasn't really researched back then. It was just kind of like, eh, four weeks sounds good. And um, a lot of the things that lifestyle things that I was allowed to do is actually not supported by research these days. So the reason why, you know, I say the VA really didn't know at the time what I needed to do to recover. A lot of times, if you even today go to your PCP or a VA doctor, they're going to say you need rest, relaxation, be in the dark. Don't have this, don't have that. And none of that is is supported by research. It's actually the wrong protocol straight out the gate. So um, I try to educate people on that a lot. And that's what I do. But uh, so basically it was four weeks and I went back to training. Just OK. And I had to do the obstacle course again. No. Like, oh, my goodness. I was like, of all things, I had to do my run again. I had to do everything. And I literally had to go to another group. I had to go to another um, flight. And because obviously they're four weeks ahead and already gone. Right. So I had to go in and have a new TI and, you know, they already think I suck because I've been <laughs> in, I was in, you know, medical. Like, oh, you're a loser. I'm like, no, I really want to get out of here. I'm hurt. I really am. <laughs> but um, yeah. And I had to do the, um, if you've ever you know done training in Texas, you're not, they say, you know, of course they do all the time, but um, you're not supposed to do any physical activity in black flag weather, which is like over yes. 100 degrees. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, I did that in black flag weather. <laughs> I was like, you're like I but any- the flags, <laughs> look at I the know, flag. Right? No, I can't breathe. <laughs> Get on the obstacle course in. now. <laughs> exactly. I had to run and do that in black flag weather. But, um, you know, but that's okay. I think it's because I really didn't have a lot of time left in my total time there. Um, so, you know, I was wasting money. <laughs> I know what the reason was. I was like, I'm spending too much money being there. So, um, but I, I really, you know, I, I'm so glad because you know how duty stations are. If you don't get there in time, then you don't get the slot. And right. the rest of my career was made the way it was because I was able to do that. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of like, really? Do I have to do? Let me ask you this question. So mm-hmm. they, they told you to rest. Yeah. What's the difference then compared to now? Do they, is, is medication prescribed or is rest still the protocol or have they added something such as, I don't know, maybe doing things that are gentler on your body? What kind of protocols are in place right now? Actually, none of those are research-based. Okay. So why not? Well, um, not to confuse or turn this into, you know, science 101 type of thing. I'll try to kind of keep it simple because I can really go down a rabbit hole with this. Um, But what happens immediately, immediately when you have a mild TBI, a concussion, is you have um, uh, you have these situations that happen chemically. Okay, so. We have, everybody knows from biology what mitochondria are. Those are the cells in your body that make ATP, which is your energy. Yes. So we know that food is energy. However, so diet happens, has to be one of the first things that you do. So the VA does not really know. I mean, I I say that because I've looked on their websites recently. I've looked at all this kind of stuff. Um, You need to have somebody specifically give you something that's going to be anti-inflammatory and are going to also boost certain uh, vitamins and minerals that you need that are specific to what's happening from the brain and the gut. Um, and that's not just a, you know, throw something at the wall, you know, multivitamin type of thing, or here, let's go ahead and eat this because it, you know, uh, has B vitamins or whatever, because energy does that. That is not, that is not what you need to be doing. So, the uh, one of the things that helps you, there's also cerebral cerebral blood flow issues. Yes. So you have a gut issue that happens when your gut becomes permeable. 
So that means the junctions on the cells become open and they're open to any and every toxin, which is environmental, food-based, um, extracurricular activity-based. Everything, <laughs> everything. Especially pharmaceuticals. There's actually no evidence. It's already been like, you know, it's actually been evidence supported that pharmaceuticals are not helpful in um, recovering from a TBI. So, and I understand from being in the healthcare field that from some people's viewpoints, that the only thing they know what to do is to prescribe a medication for a symptom you're telling them you have. However, for most of those health professionals that actually don't have the education that I do and really research why you're having your symptoms, where it's coming from, um, it's not the best course of action because it doesn't do any good. And what it does is it causes more toxicity and more side effects. That does so, make sense when you say yeah, it like that. Yeah, exactly. So you really have to take along, you have to take the cerebral blood flow. So rest mm -hmm. is not good for that. In fact, I actually do tests on people that look at what their sub threshold, which means their symptoms at what threshold they can do physical activity before their mm -hmm. symptoms actually happen. And then I develop a program to get them in that space um, to where they're no longer having symptoms. And then I can ramp them up as appropriately. So you mm -hmm. do need to have somebody who knows how to do that. So there's a lot of pieces. I hope I said mm -hmm. everything that I really, that's like the immediate thing. And that right. happens within seven days, like three to seven days. Well, I so, know people listening are going, okay, how do we go from her being a C-130? <laughs> okay. Know, so right? first off, explain why you know all this. Like explain, so, explain what you yeah. do. Well, I appreciate it. And then it. it'll so, make more sense. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Well, you know, honestly, it comes from um, my mom passed away from cancer and oh, I was sorry. in the military at the time. Well, thank you very much. So um, I and she was a smoker. So I know a lot about how your external environment can make a change in your cells um, from just being in the, the situation. But then as soon as I got in the military, it's like, oh, secondhand smoke. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was a child growing up in this environment. What's going to happen to my health? You right. know, and I became just a little bit more aware of that. And um, there were some other health issues that my mom had that led me down my path. But um, it really was while I was in the military, I was in Sue and 30 loadmaster that my mom passed away. And um, at that point, like, honestly, everything in my world just was changed, shattered. yeah. Just changed, and I was lucky that I already met my husband. He was also he was a, a jet engine mechanic, so <laughs> we were we were together there yes. at that place, and um, we were close to um, at a place where we could get out. So we were um, going to do that, and um, my reasoning was just family, taking care of my family, but also because I felt a real pull to understand what happened to my mom and to help other people. So. Um, I guess, you know, I've always, I've always, ever since I was a kid, I wanted to help people that were injured. I wanted to help anywhere I could. I mean, I, I remember second grade things that I did. So it was made perfect sense that I used my GI Bill when I got out and um, I went to uh, first get my degree in biology. So I wanted to understand cancer. I wanted to understand how your metabolism uh, affects your health. I wanted to understand how our nutrients affect our health and that, you know, um, there's a connection. I just knew I'm Native American, part Native American. So um, I knew there was a connection. I've always known that. I've grown up with that. So nature and health is together. So it just kind of snowballed into me knowing that the body can heal itself. And that sounds very frou-frou, <laughs> maybe. Not to um, me. You yeah, know, right. I, I, exactly. I totally understand that, you know. Yeah, I but, know. We, we do understand that together. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I but think it's I, interesting that, you know, you decided you go to school, you you get your degree, um, then you become um, a personal trainer. And I then a physical therapist first. And oh, just oh, a physical therapist. Okay. Yes. So, so you're also a myofascial release therapist. Please yes. explain for our audience. <laughs> well, so to kind of coordinate a little bit of how the effects of a mild TBI relate to your fascia, 
So when we have an injury, and that can be anything from a concussion to a um, sports injury, like you have an ACL tear to an ankle sprain to um, really a lot of personal trauma that you may have experienced where you have felt fear or disappointment or um, uh, really you go into that fight or flight. So injury and trauma really are the same thing from a chemical standpoint, from a metabolic standpoint and from our, what our body reads. Um, and so the fascial system kind of holds the score almost. You've heard probably that the body holds the score and everything. So when we experience a trauma, our fascial system as well as our uh, somatosensory system, and that is like, you know, if you can see here, like if I touch the hairs on my arm, I feel that so deep into my body if I'm yes. actually aware that if, you, if I close my eyes, my awareness is different. If I close my ears, my awareness is different, right? right? All those things make a change in our bodies and how we respond to our environment internally and externally. So the fascia is a three-dimensional um, system in our body, and it's a connective tissue that connects everything in our body from head to toe, does not have a beginning, does not have an end. It goes around everything from our sinuses to our gut, to our brain, to our eyes, to every muscle, tendon, ligament, joint, everything. So everything's connected in a way that you can't consciously um, change its parameters necessarily. You can't force this system. This system is very intuitive. Okay. So I like to talk about, and I, when I talk to patients, I try to give them a visual. So if you think about an orange, right, the peel of an orange is your skin, right? So not to be too gross, but <laughs> if you peel, an, right, if you think about peeling an orange, like right. you were taking off your skin, no, <laughs> if you think about peeling an orange, you know, you have, you see all that white stuff that's connected to the actual fruit. Well, that's kind of how our skin att attaches to our bodies, right? You can't just pull it off, right? It kind of is attached. Well, then you take the orange and you have on the outside all these little strings. And then mm -hmm. you take the orange and there's individual uh, segments. Yes. And then you open up one segment and you see these little tubules. Yes. And then you write, that is basically, That's basically how body right. is. Yeah. So the interesting thing about trauma in whatever form it is, and so when I talk about trauma, um, I do specialize in the uh, TBI concussion space but I have a lot of experience in other types of trauma that I've worked with people on. Um, and when with MFR, which is myofascial release, a practitioner that is uh, experienced in using that with people, basically it is a way of put of using hands-on um, therapy. Okay. Where there's no oils or anything attached. I can sense your fascial system. I can, your body will tell me in being hot, hard, tender, red spaces, all these kinds of things that you're not trying to control. Your body is trying to communicate. And so we need to teach people to let our bodies communicate the way it needs to and to stop trying to control it so much from a cognitive standpoint. That stops so many people yes. until you have your connection with your body and that awareness you're not going to do anything with your brain. I don't care who talks to you, who puts you on a couch, who gives you a pill, who tells you to do this exercise or that exercise. Exercise is very, very important. And I know we both have experience with that. Exercise is very important for a lot of different ways. You get to feel your body in a totally different way. You get to push your cardiovascular system in a totally different way. So you do open up some of those channels, especially to your brain. But you also get that endorphin release, which is very important. But there is a gene um, that's been very well researched. It's called a BDNF gene. Um, and it's a brain-derived neurotropic factor. Okay, so don't get lost in the word necessarily, words for necessarily. But it is I'm glad you're not going to ask me to spell that. No, so. I'm not going <laughs> to quiz you on it. 
So it is a very important gene that's been very highly researched to core, to um, link or correlate mental health with physical exercise. But again, you know, if you just go out and do physical exercise, if you've had a TBI, you're going to have a lower threshold. You're going to have these um, headaches, uh, anxiety possibly, because you're talking about the autonomic nervous system. You're not talking about just the musculoskeletal system that's saying, mm -hmm. oh, let me go lift weights. Oh, let me go run. Let me go do this. The Everything else that you're not trying to control is going to read what you're right. doing and positively can send you into way too much um, symptoms that you're not wanting. So it's not okay, in my opinion. I mean, not mm -hmm. just professionally, but I want to tell people, don't just go and say, well, you know what? Um, I used to run in the military. I'm just going to go running. run. Right. And you're going to, you're, you're going to have a net, you can not, not going to, but mm -hmm. you can have negative effects and then it's going to scare you from doing anything. And that's just not what we want to do. So, um, so the myofascial system is um, a way that you are um, connecting to parts of your body that you don't consciously control because you know, we, if you talk, if you learn about people that work in trauma or they work in brain rehab or whatever, they'll talk about the amygdala for emotions. They're yes. talking about the hippocampus. They're talking about all these things, but feeling is not the same as emotions. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the piece that I just don't think gets to enough people. So it's not the same thing. If somebody sells, tells you, how do you feel about this picture? How do you feel about that person? Um, you're going to say mad, scared, whatever. That's an emotion. That is not mm -hmm. feeling right. uh, tingling, heat, mm -hmm. cold. Um, uh, sometimes it can be a stabbing feeling. When I first went to MFR training, I had lost my mom a while ago. Like I had gotten married, had my first, had my son. He was two at the time, but I knew, and I'd already gone through school. So I'd already been a PT and all this kind of stuff. And as a physical therapist, I wanted to help people with pain. I wanted to help people get past that because 10, I'll, I'll tell you guys, <laughs> here's another big ticket. Ultrasound and TENS units don't work for pain. <laughs> Sorry, they don't. They're superficial. They don't actually get deep enough. They don't get to that fascial system. And I could go on about that anyway. That's good but, to know. Yeah. So research has already told, said that they don't really work. And I, I could get a lot of flack from other physical therapists. I love everybody. But it's just as for me, I, I want to be almost the voice of reason. I hate to say that. But I really want to explain to people that they need to look deeper within themselves. Mm -hmm. They have a lot more that they can do for themselves that they really realize. So, um, so I, that's why I went on my journey and I went on an, an intensive. So a myofascial release intensive, it was three courses all at once. So I do the John Barnes um, approach to myofascial release. So if you look at myofascial release, he actually owns that domain because mm -hmm. he was the first to actually create it. Um, he's a PT and a massage therapist as well. So he's a physical therapist and a massage therapist. He's been doing this since the sixties. So it's like, eh, before that know, was, but in the sixties, that was woo woo. Massage. <laughs> exactly, ooh, that's right? woo -woo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, let me get, you know, back then it was, yeah, yeah. definitely like crystals and everything. Um, so it, it was, so through that, I, I was, um, my son is very interesting because John's amazing. John is just amazing and his energy and everything. And he, he taught me a lot about not my physical self, my fascial self. Okay. They live in the same place, but we have to make sure that they stay friends. <laughs> they yeah. They got to talk to each other. Yeah. Yes, they talk to each other mm -hmm. and that then extends to everyone else in our lives. Okay, so if you're having problems with your connecting with your family members and things like that really affect people with TBIs, they have fatigue, they have that lethargy, they have that disconnect with their bodies as well as other people. And so we need to get people back to the, getting in touch with that. So my son was having um, this uh, respiratory thing 
And I'm, I'm holistic in my, in my way of doing that. And he was already on like, you know, good vitamins and all this kind of stuff and so forth. So um, John told me at the end of one of the days, he said, we're going to do this other technique. It's a, it's a cervical thoracic. So this is this piece kind of technique. If you want to, you can come up on the table and I'll use you as an example or, you know, uh, um, uh, somebody that can be the demo. It's like, oh, thanks. I appreciate it, John. Thank you. I can't tell you <laughs> the opening that I felt with this because he was, I was not thinking about my mom, none of that, but he was talking to the, to everybody else that was there and doing this hands-on technique with me. And of course I'm listening to him, but I'm really just calming down and I'm, I'm, I'm able to breathe and he's helping to open up some channels, but I never knew, never knew that there's a portion on my chest, which happens to be the left side of my chest where my heart is, that our hearts are, right? That was not moving in the same way that the rest of my body was. And I didn't realize that that was connected to my clavicle. And I didn't realize that that was connected to my voice box. I didn't realize that that was connected to my teeth. Like you grant, you clench your teeth. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that that was connected to my brain because he did a technique that I immediately felt in feeling, not emotion, but I put myself back to when my mom passed away and I felt what it felt leaving me. Wow. And, and I felt it in a way that was not scary. I felt it in a way that was safe and secure and with love around it. And John opened up a piece of me that I didn't know I could access. And he didn't talk it through. He helped me feel it myself. And I'm not kidding you. I felt like a dagger just went straight through my heart to the other side of my spine. And it just like drew, it drew me off the table. And I'm like, oh, I just took a breath in mm -hmm. that side of my body. And I've been working out. It's not like I, I'm sedentary and you're like, oh, you don't have a lot of respiratory capacity, mm -hmm. right? It's not that at all. Well, I you hold that trauma in your body. You know, Absolutely. you hold that in, whether you've been injured on the outside or injured on the inside, yep. even after it's healed or you think it's healed, you're still holding on to it. In yeah. your body. I can feel that as a Pilates instructor, you know, one side is always different than the other. And I'll say, yeah. well, what's going on with this side? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm right. like, did you injure this? Oh, yeah. Well, I had a hip. I had a knee. I had an ankle. I'm like, I can tell that. Um, exactly. When we yeah. bef before we go, um, I know there are people who just go out and they get a trainer. They're like, well, that person looks good. I'll ask them to be my trainer. But the problem is that they know how to train their body, but do they know how to train your body? So what kind of answer, not answers, what kind of questions should someone with a TBI or PTSD ask someone if they're looking for a trainer or an M, a, a, what's an M, are you a, oh, a therapist. I was going to say, where are you, you know, I was trying to look for the right word. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, you would, you would look for an MFR therapist. I mean, you would mm -hmm. use that or something like that. So, so the thing about because of the the functional injury for a TBI, it really does take someone who is initially maybe not for the next six months to a year. It just depends. Mm -hmm. But you know, I, I really strive to be. So my first phase is getting them past the functional part of the injury, which is like twelve weeks long. And then that, because that does involve looking at your vestibular system, looking at your um, vision, look, because a lot of times there are going to be tracking issues. There can be accommodation issues. And that's mm -hmm. all coming from inflammation in your brain and your gut that needs to be cleared up before you can be functionally able to, to, to work out with somebody. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, there's a cerebral blood flow issue. There is, um, uh, a lot of those things where, you know, there could be somebody who is uh, might drink alcohol or they might do maybe they do like to go through drive throughs a little bit too much. 
And those types of activities, as well as other things, can continue to perpetuate the inflammation in the brain. So they're not able to actually be fully, um, fully able to be with a trainer. So it's like if you have somebody do some things and they're falling on one side, it's not generally enough to say, okay, we're just going to do more on that side, or I'm just right. going to, to change the weights on that side, or I'm just going to do a different activity for mm-hmm. that side, or I'll back it down for a little bit. If there's something coming from their brain mm-hmm. to where they can't coordinate that side, then they do need to seek out like, you know, someone like myself that can do that kind of stuff. Um, but that's what makes my practice very specific is that you don't have to go between five different people. I want to make sure that you are, your brain is clear, that your gut is healthy, that you are getting to the physical activity you want to be at so that you can lose weight or whatever. And I'm, I want to give that person to the next person. So right. I want to it make should be sure a warm handoff. And even for yes, trainers, so, if, if exactly. I notice someone who's having that issue yes. or issues that I yeah. might think, Maybe, you know, maybe asking them, have you had a, a, you know, traumatic brain injury or, and if they say, yes, I know someone, you know, so even as trainers, we have to get past our ego and say, you know what, this is above my pay grade. I need to bring this some to someone like yourself. Correct. Yes. And I really appreciate that because the ego goes both ways, (laughs) even in every, and, and, and it happens with mental health practitioners too. And I feel really, really bad for them because, you know, they see symptoms and then they see military or they've already been diagnosed from a military doctor that they have PTSD. And if they don't, the thing that you want to ask somebody, typically you don't have to have a head hit to have a TBI. So if anybody knows if they've had their bell rung, that's what you want to ask somebody. If you've ever had your bell rung, that will lead you to possibly a concussion they've not re- they've not recovered from. Right. And so you also want to say, you know, do you feel fatigued um, early in the morning or anytime during the day? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you have brain fog? Do you feel? And honestly, if they've had their bell rung, okay, anytime in their life, they can still have symptoms. So you want to kind of ask those questions. Yes, it can be hormonal. Yes, it can be something else. But I can actually weed those things out for you. So to get to somebody like me and then say, yeah, it's not your hormones, girl. <laughs> We're going to fix this right now. And then you're going to go back to Kat because that's mm, how you guys know right. each other. And, you know, then you mm-hmm. can do all the other stuff you right. want to be doing. But um, you want to, you know, bell rung. Are you having, um, uh, do you have um, headaches? Do you have dizziness? Do you feel like there is some sort of coordination issue on left side for this versus right side? Mm-hmm. Um, or you have sleep issues. Sleep is a huge, huge thing. Mm-hmm. Either you can't wake up or you can't get to sleep, you know, and you can't stay asleep. So if you've had your bell rung and then you have these other types of symptoms, concussion is not anything you can use an actual diagnostic test for. It is only symptom related that you right. can do that. So after 30 days, it becomes post-concussive syndrome. It's no longer just a concussion. And so then it becomes more Mm -hmm. long-term types of symptoms that can still be fixed, but you got to get to the right person. So medications are not your your goal for that. You really need to get to someone as functional like myself. And then, you know, then we can, we can kind of weed through what really is the issue and who you need to go to. Right. You got to take certain steps. (laughs) Um, Brandy, this has been such a amazing conversation. I feel like we could do this for another hour. Um, tell us where people can find you. Uh, sure. So I am pretty much on most social media except for TikTok. Oh yeah. You and me both. You're not going to see me dancing on TikTok. I'm sorry. It's not (laughs) happening. Exactly. So, um, my, uh, I, I have, my website is kind of the easiest thing because at the very end it says book an appointment and it always gets to me or contact me or something like that. So it's visionarypt.com is my website. And then I am, um, on, um, Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn, but all of those are at the top of my website. So, um, those have different kind of, you know, slashes and all that kind of stuff, but you can also email me at Brandy with a Y, I have to tell people that, uh, Brandy with a Y at visionarypt.com. 
you know, if you have any questions or you have um, concerns, I can definitely, you know, um, lead you to my website or get you signed up. And the thing about what I'm trying to do now, what I what was really groundbreaking is the fact that my I do I am in North Carolina, so I have in-person appointments, but I really am uh, forging the breakthrough kind of way to create and bring this virtually to anybody. So no matter where you are, I can still help you through all these different steps and uh, coach people locally as well as from afar. So um, it takes a lot of technical, it takes a lot of tech to try and get that going. So yes. um, that is huge for me because I don't want to feel, I don't want anybody to feel lost. You, right. you definitely, feel, you know, be able Brandy, to find thank you so much. You know, this has been so enlightening. I always love learning stuff. And I'm like, wow, I never knew that. Or I remember something weird, like, you know, the obstacle course at at basic training that I forgot about (laughs) conveniently. (laughs) But But for any, anybody who thinks that, you know, or maybe they know somebody who is suffering from, you know, PTSD, or maybe you've, you've got your bell rung and you think, oh, I'm okay, but maybe not so much you know, reach out to me or reach out to Brandy and I can connect you to her. And, you know, let, let's find out because, you know, we need to be healthy. We mm-hmm. need to take control of our own health because yes. I'm sorry. I know the VA helps a lot of people and I know hospitals help a lot of people, but they're all in it for the money. I'm just saying it. Be mad at me if you want to, but that's just the way it is. It's all about the money. Take charge of your own health. Do what you need to do. And I don't care how much money you have. You can't buy health. You just can't. You cannot. Because and I'll tell you what, on the end, on your, uh, you know, at the end of that road, you have to look back and say, what, what was I, what, how much of my life was I really present for? And if you don't have your health, you are going to be missing out on a lot of wonderful memories. And on those words to all my listeners, as always, please stay safe, take care of each other until next time. And it's never too late to start your impossible. Thank you, Brandy, for being here today. Thank you so much, Kat. I appreciate you inviting me.